Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We study the theme, Oneness in Christ. Lesson 7. When conflicts arise. In the past, there were conflicts. In the present, there are conflicts. And in the future, there will be conflicts. We can be sure about that. How to handle conflicts? Ethnic prejudices. When the early church in Jerusalem grew and grew and grew and grew very quickly, we read the following in chapter 6, verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, so this is one but increasing number of disciples, hallelujah, Looks good. But increasing numbers will produce new problems, as we can see here. So in those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Different ethnic groups, foreigners, Jews from abroad, they have widows in their group, and then it seems that they get less food than the Hebraic widows. And then, murmuring comes up. And when there is murmuring, there can be schism, separation in the end. So you have to do something about it. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. What does that mean? So we have a task, and this task takes time. And we need all the time we have to perform these duties. What are the duties? The ministry of the word of God. We have to teach the people. We have to inform them about the will of God so that they are educated in God's will. And if we do other jobs as well, then this main job task would be neglected. Now what to do then? We can't do everything in a way, the apostles say. It's too much for us. We need support. Of people. 
So, they have to following suggestion. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. We stay for our main tasks, prayer, ministry of the word. That's our main task. We will go on on this. And there are seven others who will care for the meals. That was not the only point. They were evangelists as well. They were fine people, mighty people in the world. Now there was support, result. So the word of God spread, we read in verse 7. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. A large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Priests are not many. They are only a few among the Levites. And when many of the priests become Christians, this is, this is great, simply great. Because the priests had been the ones who wanted Jesus to be crucified. The sooner the better, they suggested and succeeded in that. The conversion of Gentiles. Jews and Gentiles, that's a story. We are the Jews, we are the elected, and those are the Gentiles. Forget about them. We are the circumcised, they are the uncircumcised. We are better off. They will be condemned by God. We are elected by God. So this was the position. But God wants Gentiles to become Christians. And he wants to use the Jews. And those Jews who had become Christians to make you preach. To preach this gulf. This chasm. But how to do that? They do not want a Jew would never, ever enter the house of a, a heathen person. Never. He would never go into the house of a Roman. Never, ever. So how can God preach this God? A Roman centurion, Cornelius, gets a vision. He's a fine man. Praise to God. Gives alms to people who are in need. And he has a vision. He should send servants to Peter, the apostle, calling him to come to Caesarea, to Cornelius' house, preaching. True. Cornelius acts according to the suggestion of the angel, the command of the angel. 
but Peter would not come, of course not. So Peter gets a vision too. When the servants of the centurion Cornelius come to Peter, God tells Peter, I have sent them, you know, God has sent these servants. Go with them, although they are Romans, although you have to enter a Roman house. Go, I sent you. So he goes, accompanied by some brethren who are very curious what will happen now. And when they come there, Peter is surprised. The house is full of people. Why are they there? They want to listen to him, to his sermon. They've heard an angel has commanded for Peter. And now he's here. So they, they want to know what the voice of Peter wants to tell them. He's sent by God, they are sure, because an angel said, sent for Peter. An angel, not, not a human being. And when Peter addresses the audience, he hasn't finished his sermon yet. The Holy Spirit fell on the assembly. On all the assembled persons. And they started speaking in tongues. This means in foreign languages. Suddenly, it, it was a repetition of the experience of Pentecost. There, circumcised Jews got the Holy Spirit. And now, uncircumcised Romans get the Holy Spirit and are able to speak in foreign languages from one second to the other. Peter is <laughs> just surprised is, is not, is only a word. <laughs> he doesn't know what, what to say about it. And then he commands and orders. Those should be baptized. If God sends them the Holy Spirit, then they must be baptized at once. And they are baptized. God led the way. By the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is leading. We read in chapter 11 in the book of Acts, verse 1. The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him. What did they say? You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Oh, horrible, terrible. How could you do such a thing? Now, apologize. 
Bitte, Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it had happened. With the vision of Cornelius, with the vision Peter had, that God said, go with them. When he came there, they were all assembled. And when he had preached, how the Spirit fell on them and that they could speak in foreign tongues. The listeners to Peter were surprised. The Holy Spirit, it fell on, on uncircumcised Romans? Are you sure? <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, I have witnesses, Peter could say. They have come with me. I'm not the only one telling this. There were psych circumcised brethren with me who can witness <laughs> this story. Now, when they, they heard this, we read in verse 18, they had no further objections and praised God. See? Saying, so then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. Oh, so their horizon is broadened. They get a bigger picture of the whole thing. But it took time. And if God hadn't intervened directly, <laughs> it would have never happened. Now, we hear that after the death of Stephanus, of Stephen here, the, the followers of Jesus were spread throughout the country and some of them went to Cyprus and to Antiochia, Antioch. And there, they told the truth, the gospel, proclaimed the message, even to Greek persons. This was something new. Before that time, they always spoke to Jewish persons, but now to Greek persons. And, how interesting, they reacted positively. Every revival started in Antioch. Many, 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 many Greek persons became Christians. This was sensational. Huh. Who, who could have dreamed about all of this? So, there were so many that in Jerusalem you heard the story. They sent Barnabas to teach them that they become good Christians. And when Barnabas was there, he discovered, ah, I need help. So he went to Tarsus, where Saulus had been, Saul, brought him to Antioch, Antioch, and both Barnabas and Paul together, they taught as apostles, as leaders, as prophets, as evangelists, these young converts out of the heathen environment. And it led to the following situation. 
And in the end, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Antioch got the crown. <laughs> they were the first to be called Christians. The Jerusalem Council. From Antioch, Paul and Barnabas set out for their first missionary journey, Cyprus, and into the heart of Galatia. And when they came back, churches had been founded on their way. Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derbe. And the governor of Cyprus, Sergius Paulus, he became Christian. So the, the, the most important Roman person of Cyprus, the governor, he became a Christian. And Paul and Barnabas told the story in Antioch. And there was joy and joy. But then we, we read, some man came down from Judea to Antioch. So there's a long way they had been Pharisees or priests and had become Christians and now they went up there looking for the new converted people. And what did they say? They were teaching the brothers, unless you're circumcised. So that's the main point. Unless you're circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, Jews. You cannot be saved. Circumcision, you are saved. No circumcision, you are not saved. This is the message for the new converts coming out of the Greek environment who had been so full of joy and happiness and peace and pow, it was like a cold shower coming down on them. What now? We cannot be saved. It's not enough. We should be circumcised. Okay, then, then we will do so. But Paul and Barnabas, they said, not necessary. Not necessary? But, but these persons from Jerusalem, they said, it is necessary. It is a prerequisite before you can be saved. Now what to do now? So they decided in Antioch to send Barnabas and Paul to Jerusalem, to the elders, to the apostles, that they make a decision. Should we or should we not be circumcised? Now when they were together, there was much quarreling about this subject. But then Peter stood up. He said, remember, do you remember my story with the centurion Cornelius? How God sent an angel to him and sent an angel to me. We both had visions. I came there, preached, Roman house, all circumcised, uncircumcised people, Romans. I hadn't come to the end of my sermon before I had finished. The Holy Spirit fell on them and they spoke in tongues. 
Exactly the same as we experienced at Pentecost in Jerusalem. Hmm? Remember? God sent the Holy Spirit to uncircumcised people. They were baptized. They're Christians now. How can you say they must be Jews first? Must be circumcised before they can become Christians. God has not ordered anything of this kind. And these words of Peter have an effect. And James, the leader of the church in Jerusalem, the brother of Jesus, he makes a second point. He cites a quotation from the prophet Amos to prove God wants the gospel that it is heard by heathen people as well. And nowhere you find, but before they can become a member of the family of God, before that, they have to be circumcised. Can you read this anywhere? No. Why should we do then this? Why should we act like this if it's not written in the Bible? So we have Peter. He had an experience through visions. And here we have texts. So we have two proofs. There is no need for circumcision. A difficult solution. So James made a suggestion. Well, those out of the Greek environment who have become Christians are not forced to circumcise their little ones, their male ones, on the eighth day. Not necessary at all. But then, the adult, four points. And these four points, they are told in a letter, they should do the following. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. The Ten Commandments, they are out of question. Of course, they are needed. But beyond that, you are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols. One point. Abstain from blood. Never eat meat where there's still blood in it. Abstain from the meat of strangled animals because there's blood in them. It always depends on the blood because the blood of Jesus redeems us. And in the blood there is life. And if an animal loses its blood, dies, you should not take this. It's God. It's command. Therefore, no 
meat which had been sacrificed to idols, no blood at all, no meat of animals which had been strangled so that the blood could not run out. And they should abstand from sexual immorality. Because in those days, the heathen religious feasts were in such a way that at the temple, prostitutes waited for the people to come and they had to go in intimate contact with these prostitutes in order that the field is prosperous. This was the devil's plan and suggestion. And it was fulfilled by the people. I have to go there, otherwise we will starve to death. This is the will of our gods and goddesses. It was the will of the devil. And because of this, they had this point here. No sexual immorality at all. When this letter was sent to Antioch, Barnabas and Paul, Paul went there, and Judas and Silas, and it was read there to the church at Antioch. When it was read, they beamed with joy. No circumcision was required. So these Pharisees who had become Christians and had been there, they, they had done something where they, in their way of talking, commanding, had worked for the devil and not for God. Although they thought they are on the right side, on the conservative side. They were on the wrong side. Now, this council in Jerusalem had made it clear. But interestingly enough, we find afterwards Years passed by, and these persons did not change their minds. Although the council in Jerusalem had made a clear decision about that point, they still were of the opinion it's not correct. And they looked at Barnabas and Paul not with an admiring face, but more with hatred. And we will see the outcome of that later on. Summary. So when conflicts arise, there's tension in the air. How, how to manage? You have to do something about it. If you say, mm, I just wait, then it will happen the same what will be with the pot and the herd when it boils and then you hear and at the end there is an outburst of water or milk or whatever is in there. It will not just be smoothened without doing anything. You have to do something about it. You have to. 
Otherwise, you will be in even greater difficulties. And it was so wise for the apostles in Jerusalem to elect seven more leaders who had to care for the meals, that the murmuring was stopped. It had a positive effect, a very positive effect. So when there's too much work, only on a few persons, in the end they will break to pieces if you load too much on them. Although they are good in nature, but it's too much. So it's better, much better, to use more persons to do the work than just to load on those who are willing and gifted more and more and more till they break down and cannot do anything anymore. This is devil's plan as well. Gifted ones, I loaded and loaded and loaded till they're dead. No, it should be divided. The work should be divided. You get a function, you, you, you. But they did not just elect seven persons out of the nowhere. They elected fine persons who were filled with the Spirit, who were honored in the church. And people said, oh yeah, yeah, I, I will accept this candidate. So it was important. People see how people behave. And they have a feeling for those who are different, for those who are gifted and humble, gentle, but strong in power of their will to work for the Lord. And at this council in Jerusalem we see there was much quarreling about because these Pharisees who had become Christians made this unwise statement. Unless Christians who have come out of the Greek environment, if they are not circumcised, they cannot be saved. It was an unwise sentence and opinion in their mind. Very unwise. So, the Apostle had to solve this. And in the way how they handled it, it was simply great. Because Peter reminded of his experience, how God had solved the problem. Centurion Cornelius. And James showed texts of scripture. And these two elements together helped to find a solution. Experiences we had already made with God and Barnabas and Paul could tell of the experience of the first missionary journey. Churches had been found 
God had blessed. What is the problem? Just go on, go on, go on. As God leads. And as the Spirit leads. And you will be blessed. Amen.